0: This is Career Competitor, and it is the podcast that believes we all have a competitive self that drives our optimal performance in our careers and within our lives. My name is Steve Meller, and in the past 15 years, having been a coach to high performers, Olympians, business owners, executives across all walks of life, I have come to find that competitiveness comes from within. And I'm going to be using this podcast to really showcase how competitors from all walks of life are finding optimal performance and have built the careers that they have today. Hello there and welcome into this episode of Career Competitor. Today with my guest Ryan Gonzalez and the best part about today's episode is we get to go all the way back to the origins of why this podcast even began as Ryan and I dive into the transitional components that come with once being an athlete and then moving into a career beyond your sport. But specifically within our conversation, Ryan and I dive into the importance of identifying traits that make you successful in business that already are within you already are instilled inside of you as the former athlete that you are. Secondly, we discuss the fear of insignificance for athletes, but why the impact and value that they bring is so much greater than they can ever know. And finally, we cover how an athlete's grit can be the game-changing quality they didn't know they needed within their careers. So we dive into those things and much more within our conversation and it's always just wonderful to be able to go back to really the roots of why I started this podcast in the first place. So any former athletes out there, this one is definitely for you, but even those of you whose athletic career is many, many years now in the past, this is a good reminder really of the value that you bring because of that part ...of your life even to this day. So, really looking forward to this one. I know you're going to enjoy this. So, without any further delay, let's dive into this episode of the Career Competitor Podcast with Ryan Gonzalez, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, before we carry on with this episode, let me bring your attention to a link that you'll find right there in the show notes so that you can subscribe to my monthly email. It's just gonna give you some awesome insights on who it is I am, what it is I've got going on, and maybe there'll be one or two food for thoughts in there that can stimulate your process, get you to get a little unstuck, get you to take a little bit more action and maybe get you a little closer to optimal performance as you start to shape a stronger version of your optimal self. Go ahead, click that link in the show notes so you can become part of the ever growing email list that's receiving this awesome insight each and every month, courtesy of me and courtesy of career competitor. Now, back to the episode. Okay, our career competitor for this episode is the founder and CEO of Second Wind Academy at Career discovery and transition platform for sports people. A former professional footballer, that soccer player for my US listeners, turned global banker, now CEO and entrepreneur, a podcast host. Let's put it this way our guest is well versed in the very principles that this podcast was founded on in how he has utilized his athlete characteristics across a widely diverse and successful career beyond his time in sport. Joining us, All the way from down under in Sydney, Australia. I'm excited to be welcome into the show, fellow fellow Englishman. Sorry, Mr. Ryan Gonsalves. Ryan, how are we doing? Absolutely great. Thanks for having me today. Of course, of course. Really excited for this one. And you know, we've been chatting just before we got started here. And we both come from the north of England. Uh, We've both already realized that we support teams that are very much in conflict with one another, and that's okay. That's that's part (laughs) of it. Um, But at the same time, we've also realized that we're going to have a ton to talk about here today just in terms of really... What my show was born on and what I'm really excited to learn about your podcast as well, which shares similar principles, but really yeah. the business that you've now created for yourself today as well, obviously embodies so much of what we're about on this show too. So why don't we just start in the present moment? Tell us all about what you're doing today, what Second Wind Academy is all about. Just, just fill everybody in on what they need to know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Second Wind Academy is, as you described, it's a platform focused on supporting elite athletes to find their second wind as they transition away from the game towards a career and a fulfilling life um, that they've got to lead ahead of them. And the way it's based is I've essentially spent my time Speaking to athletes, in fact, bringing in principles that have supported me through my banking and innovation life to listen to athletes and ask them to talk to me about the experience, talk to me about what it has been like for you as you have looked for what you do next to find that next chapter. And you know, like a researcher, I've been I've been listening and just trying to support and build and and then be able to play back oh, well, based on what you've said, it sounds like this is an experience that you would like to have. And now I'm putting that experience or that research into play and supporting, I guess, those next athletes come through.
0: Yeah, and a couple of things you've said already that we're definitely going to double-click on, as I like to say, and and go a little bit deeper with is this notion. Firstly, the name Second Wind. I love it because it really addresses at the heart – one of the things that i myself in all my listening to of listening to whether athletes go through what they've gone through understand that there is this sort of regalvanizing input that you need to have within a former athlete's life that it is okay to be deflated upon the end of that athlete career because it is very much the end of a chapter so we'll certainly dive into that a little bit but secondly just the power of listening the power of just kind of being in a room sharing a space with someone (laughs) and knowing that they're saying something that requires you just to zip it listen intently and and be present with them and, and the power of exactly that but before we go into those two areas which i know are just going to be really good stuff let's talk about you the footballer the player what (laughs) what it was that was probably your be-all and end-all throughout your childhood into your you know adolescence all this kind of thing talk us through your professional football career and, and really what that looked like and what that did for you
1: yeah absolutely happy to do that i left school at 16 so i was a junior junior at leeds at leeds played there But at 16, I went and signed apprenticeship terms or scholarship at Huddersfield Town. And I played there in their junior teams, played in their reserves and really fighting, battling to to get into that that first team. I I managed to have about four years at at Huddersfield and had a hernia, had a couple of injuries, um, which meant I never quite reached that level to to break in and essentially achieve my dream to, Mm -hmm. you know, Essentially, Captain England. But what that meant for me was having to make a decision point on do I continue striving to try and make it in the game, or do I start to move down more of a dual path, a dual career? Mm-hmm. I chose a dual career. I went to university, uh, actually in Huddersfield, continued to play at a semi professional level. And through my studies and football, that gave me the opportunity to live, travel study overseas. So I've found myself going to work and play in France, in Belgium, and also spent some time coaching soccer over in the US as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What I love about that is you found a way to sprinkle in parts of what you knew were going to be maybe required in the future while you were still pursuing what your, your born and bred passion was. Like you never really yeah. let go of the game of football until it sounds as though until it was just like the career is ready like you you, you're almost hitting the ground running so to speak with your career right so i never really let go and it's to be honest to this
1: day football still plays in fact sport in general still plays a significant part of my life and i was very comfortable with that dual track approach it was something where i was interested and challenged during the daytime let's say you know working in an working in office and 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 studying and then I was also able to be challenged and passionate with everything I was doing outside of that playing football and learning and developing and actually really cool doing it in different languages Mm. and learning different styles of play how we you know very attack focused very different in France and it was actually much more technical to some regards or wanting to be technical but extremely physical when Mm -hmm. I found myself in the US and where the game was essentially developing you know 20 years ago
0: yeah and so while around you the game of of football you could see all the intricacies and and you know those little caveats that made the game what it made the game in those specific parts and corners of the world I'm curious when did you maybe start to see some of the commonalities between that post-football, that post-sport life? Because again, it sounds like you were exposed to so many different people. I would have to assume leaving the game at different times, going through some of these transitional growth pains, if you will. You know, What did some of those common elements of that initial transition after football start to look like as you were exposed to that?
1: What I, and I'll answer it in, a, in, a, in an odd way perhaps. Yeah. As a footballer, we were, or as an athlete, you're so constrained by the rigors and requirements of achieving excellence in the sport. And so every year that I, the longer I was a student or a young executive at GE whilst playing football, I got to see more of the world. I got to see more people. My mind was opened up. And what I started to recognize was the, my ability to connect with individuals on the football field and in most teams play end up becoming the the captain or being part of the leadership team. Mm -hmm. I started to see similarities in the way I could create a team or bond with a team outside of the game as well. So in that corporate culture, and bit by bit I started to see this link I started to recognize you know the personality traits that you might have in a in a sports team the one who's flamboyant the ones who are aggressive and I started to recognize or piece together those similar traits in in the business world in you know building an effective team and and though that's where I've started to think oh hey, there's something in this. There's a reason why this is good. There's a reason why I'm interested. There is a reason why I keep coming back to this. And that's mm-hmm. where those, those common traits or that thread started to really develop.
0: Yeah, I find that, well, as someone who started his own company in the last two years, our stories align more so than we'll probably either of us will be able to accept as we as we get to know one another more and more um but the the one thing i was going to say is like as i've now moved into executive coaching in the last two years and working with business owners working with leaders working with just people at any point in their careers the amount of conversations i'm having in a private setting that immediately take my mind right back to 5 10 15 years ago to being in that same conversation with a swimmer with an athlete, with someone who is going through a very similar situation. And what I hear there is that those situations are universal. Like those those right. transitions that you are now obviously so committed to resolving and helping and supporting, right. clearly it's a, it's a universal, I hate to use the word problem, but it's definitely a, a universal element that is worth yep. acknowledging and clearly why you're doing what you're doing now
1: yeah absolutely i think it is and it's perhaps even more universal than recognized because you have individuals who go through it so as i speak to i speak to athletes across different codes so I, whether i'm speaking to someone who is a sprinter or someone who is a professional golfer as you speak to them and talk to them they think yeah it's quite unique me my situation this sport this transition and the small group work that I do with these individuals where I get them across code, they realize very quickly, oh, you're struggling with that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I thought it was just me. And that helps to break down those barriers and really for them to, to piece together these things. And that's something that I found working in banking and digital and innovation is you have these problems and one of the first things you need to do is understand well who am i and what do i want to be and you know it's not what do i do but it's what do i want to be uh who do i want to help and so it's a very similar it's different but it's a very similar question set and process that one goes through when trying to figure out one's purpose be you a uh, an athlete who spent 12 years with your whole life being focused on one thing, or indeed it's a a business and you're trying to carve away in, in, in
0: a new marketplace. Exactly. Exactly. It's, And what what I found very interesting as I was doing my research and looking at the the work you're doing today is that there's clearly a an effort on your part to be approaching professional athletes, at least either currently professional or formerly professional, whatever Mm. it may be, people that have been doing and pursuing their sports at the highest level, arguably for the longest as well. And when you look at that clearly that very deliberate term of second wind, I'm curious, what do you maybe notice about the levels that these professional athletes are coming from in mm-hmm. terms of just how they're experiencing that. And I use the word loss deliberately because I've worked with yeah. a lot of athletes on this notion of accepting that moving on from your sport is a form of loss. Mm. You know what, what does that coming from such a height as a pro athlete into a new world and leaving that pro athlete behind, what is it about that that is clearly deflating that requires services like yours?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is a drop off a cliff, is the way it's been described to me. And one gentleman, he said to me, You know, I've spent my whole life telling everybody I'm a professional athlete. I want to become a professional athlete. And suddenly that's going to stop. What am I going to tell people? I don't know what to say. And so, what you find, or what I find, is there's certainly a fear. There's a fear of becoming insignificant, which is, which is quite a weighty, you know, description. It's like not a fear of not just loss or anything. It's like, well, I just fear being insignificant. I'm not changing people's life, and I'm not entertaining. I'm not building joy. I'm not supporting my family. I just become insignificant. And so that fear and insignificance are one of the biggest elements that that I, I certainly focus on. There's also a lack of confidence one um one of the one one guy actually another another guy a, a football or soccer player he's a striker he's had a wonderful career playing for several different clubs, but at the end of clubs they release him they tell him now we're not renewing your contract and he has to go find another club but he did that fifteen tw- almost twenty years I think his career spanned of him just going ahead and doing that mm-hmm. he left the game got made redundant when he was a teacher and that all just about ruined him Mm. he you know he ended up on the the, on his ex's couch he was struggling and all of that and I asked him but you've just spent 15 years of people telling you you're not good enough and you keep going and scoring goals and scoring goals and here you first let down and you stop and he said yeah but I always knew I could score goals it's just this belief the confidence I could score goals didn't matter where you put me and he could demonstrate that Mm -hmm. but he said he he just didn't know about teaching. He didn't know if he could do that again, and that ruined him. So there's that feeling of insignificance, and then there's this confidence on, well, am I actually any good at anything else? Because I've mm. put my whole life into that. Um, and, and so those are some of the, definitely some of those challenges, and it's then helping them to get clear. Uh, building clarity. This is what I can go ahead and do. This is what I'm good at, um, and sort of giving them a you know a solid plan to go ahead and execute.
0: Yeah, value value is so simple when you're an athlete. It's like do you score a goal mm. or do you not? Do you put the ball in the basket or not? Do you yeah. run fast enough or do you not? You know, yeah. and and like that. And sadly, a lot of athletes connect. Speaking about athletes, as though I wasn't one, I was exactly the same. Once once I wasn't yeah. diving in the pool and swimming anymore. Yeah. I went through that same transition of how do I value myself when I look in the mirror if I'm not fast at something anymore? Yes. And yeah. it is so tricky, and it is such a downward spiral so quickly when you cannot, as a former athlete, attach yourself to a – a new form of value finding a way to associate yourself with value through any lens that you can possibly find even if it's not your own to begin with because for whatever reason you can't let go of that previous value how do you surround yourself and put yourself in situations where somehow you can become identifiable with value you know and 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 as i'm speaking i can just see you're dying to chime in so go for it
1: (laughs) oh no no i'm just like yeah Yeah. i'm what i'm hearing is it's so true and. Again, as a former athlete, I'm I'm used to that extrinsic validation, that external validation. Yes. I make a pass. I can look. Up, I can hear the crowd. The crowd yeah. like that pass. They like pass. Right, yes. I've got it again. And there's another pass. Yeah, great, yeah. I got it. Oh, what a tackle! And and so, right. it's within a ninety-minute period. Right, I'm getting well. However many touches of the ball, I didn't have that many right. touches, unfortunately, <laughs> I and a, a, a very ugly centre uh, defender. Right. But it's like for every touch, tackle. I got a cheer or a jeer, yeah. and my manager would tell me. And so when you step away from that, it's like, well, how do I measure my value? Oh, okay. I measure it by an awesome PowerPoint presentation. Well, okay. Am I going to get a cheer every slide or every <laughs> sentence or every delivery that I do? And are we going to look back at it? And that loss, that value, it's then finding it. Well, how do I, you know, what is value if it's not, Ten thousand or ninety thousand people cheering my name, or you right. know, call it, calling me out. And right. like you say, you probably get used to getting out of the swimming pool and looking up and people
0: clapping and going, "Yeah, good, right. I guess." Right, that was a good set. I'm, I'm doing well. That's it. And trust me, when I was playing football, no one was coming to watch my games, and there was a reason. <laughs> but <laughs> so it was good because I wouldn't need to wait for the cheer because it will not coming. But the again, this is what I've. I'm so thankful that this podcast, when it started, it started at a time when I was in sport and it was easy for me to speak from that experience. And now that I'm two years removed from working daily in sport, now what I'm trying to always do is find ways to reconnect those that are not in sport and that maybe have never been in sport with the ideologies that surround what make people successful in sport and why those same ideologies do transition so well. And there are they are so present because just, just that piggyback now off what you were just saying in the business world, and which is why a lot of our listeners, they may have been athletes, but we don't really have mm. current athletes for the most part Listen, We have a lot of people working in the business world that listen. You know, my message to you is this that all those complaints that you maybe share with a coworker about not feeling seen, about not feeling appreciated in your job, this is the exact same thing. Like, Ryan, you're hitting it on the head. Like, no, we're not going to get cheered every time we click from one PowerPoint slide to the next. No, we're not going to get cheered every single time we finish that assignment or we send that email off. However, on some level, we are looking for that acknowledgement. We are looking for that appreciation. And it's what's so funny is that athletes, for those moments in a game where you're getting those cheers, there's 98% of the work that you're doing on the training field in practice that no one's cheering. You almost get used to that. And it's why I think athletes are so intrinsically to kind of go one step further mm-hmm. with your insight. They're so intrinsically motivated because they're actually so much more used to doing the work without without the encouragement behind the mm-hmm. scenes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's I mean, for me, there were there are two almost I'll say base or underlying traits that I look for, you know, tend to tease out when I, when I get to speak to athletes who are at the point of transition or envisioning that, that transition yeah. and overused word, I admit, but grit is one of those. And then the other one is this love of learning. And whilst I'm here, let me break down, let me break down what I mean by Please grit do. Yeah, please. Essentially to me, it is this, um, this, this energy, this unbridled energy and passion of, of, of wanting to do something plus a resilience and, you know, with the real clear dream of what they're trying to achieve. And so you mentioned it's that energy, that energy to continue to do something over a long period of time, that process, the bit that is unseen. So when you add that energy and resilience or, you know, perseverance, you get this, well, it's a long journey. But as long as I know I'm doing the right thing, then I'm just going to keep moving because I've got this dream, be it mm-hmm. the trophy, be it appearances, be it winning something, or be it a sense of, wow, I won this, this great achievement. That, that for me is grit. And that's something that I believe a lot of um, elite or top performing athletes have that, you know, needs to be broken down, which is, you know, as, as I'm doing there. Plus this love of learning but it's a different type of learning than we're used to saying from an academic perspective, because it is, and certainly from a me in a a team sport, it is, well, I like learning tactics. I like learning my opponent. And I love watching for that um, little drop in the shoulder as I'm playing against someone. And I'm like, ah, that's what they do. If they're going to do that, then I'm going to react and I'm going to operate in this way. So that learning in situation, in context is something I believe is within athletes is you know new stroke technique new thing has come in new topspin Th- these are the these are those little bits and i think those two together make it you know support athletes especially to uh, to find this new thing because what they then need and what i see my role is that repivot them well can i help you find this new drink can i help you mm-hmm. find this new motivation because I know you've got the energy. I know you can do things every single day, time and time again, as long as you know what that objective is and what that goal is. And yeah. it's helping them with that new dream and giving them essentially a game plan that they can execute on.
0: Yeah, I love heard grit explained a hundred different ways over the years. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I love that way in which you're explaining it here that energy and resilience but it's over an extended period of time and that is the nuance that has to be it's not about just showing up and doing some hard work at certain points it's about ensuring that you're doing that hard work over extended period of time part for me here which i find fascinating is the ability to ensure that you're listening and paying attention because at the heart of everything that we're talking about here is that grit and that love of learning, if we're not paying attention, whether that's listening, whether that's just simply being present, then it's near impossible for us to actually notice these things as they're happening around us. And again, to my point of the way in which you describe grit it's one thing to notice when someone's trying hard. It's another thing to notice when someone's trying hard consistently over longer periods of time. I remember that as a coach. You've done some coaching as well in football. Like yeah. you notice the ones that show up and do it daily versus the ones that occasionally do it. Versus, the, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. those people stand out, and that is the one thing I've always enjoyed about. Being around those type of individuals, why I notice it from a mile away to this day when I work, when I walk into a place of work, and I'm like, okay, I can see the ones that are athlete mind, athlete yes. minded in in how they go about what they do. They're the ones that are always early, the ones that are always late, uh, that always stay late. Sorry, and the ones yep. that consistently do yeah. more than what it is they're maybe being asked to do. I'm just curious now. When you think about the work that you're doing today. How well how do you go about how do you go about actually getting people to see that they do these things well? Because one thing I do I do know about athletes is while under the spotlight they may like the attention, athletes sure. for the most part are pretty terrible at just noticing what they do well and admitting it. So I'm just curious, yeah. like, how do you help people see some of these very, you know, powerful characteristics that we both agree that are, you know, important to have? Yes,
1: you're quite right. Whilst athletes as athletes, we're
0: really good at getting stuff done, often
1: looking up and then having to change tact can be a challenge and, you know, need to be convinced. And the way that I do that or the way that I found the most success is for them to hear it from others. I love a good story. I find stories are compelling. They're a great way to learn and they're also a great way for us to um, self-reflect so when we so often when we hear a story from somebody else, there's almost a part of us that quickly wants to say, Oh, I'm a bit like that. How does that relate to me? And so whilst for a lot of athletes we try to do things on a one-on-one basis, often it feels like a lecture. It feels like oh, it's just my coach telling me one thing. So, okay, if I see an immediate result, then maybe I'll I'll do it. Otherwise, it's a load of rubbish. And so I like getting athletes together in small groups mm-hmm. because what happens is they hear things that are very similar to them coming out of the mouths of somebody else. Same sport, different sport, different country, different culture. And yet they're here. I am really passionate about this. I got to this level. Things didn't work out. And then I had to start thinking about what am I going to do? But I don't know what I want to do because I have always been some- Ryan, the athlete. Yeah. I'm- They hear it from someone else and then they they think, well, actually, that is how I feel. Okay, and that opens the mind. And once the mind is open, once they remember, I got to where I got to because of a growth mindset, then it's open and then you can start going in and helping them or guide them along a journey of awareness and exploration and, and, and activity.
0: Yeah, and once again, you're alluding to something that's so prominent in the workplace right now is is people want to be heard. And when people are given those opportunities to share a space with employees and co-workers, maybe ones that they don't get to see and interact with too often, slowly but surely they start to be wait, you deal with that too? Like that's a problem for you as well? Really? I thought I was I thought I was the only one. I thought I was (laughs) the only one inside this building on this earth that was dealing with this same issue, that was struggling with this same adversity. It's like no, like I'm there with you. Like show Mm. me, show me that empathy of, of just like, I'm going through this with you. I know what this is about. And I know that's a huge part of the work that you're doing, like that empathetic Mm. ear and then to surround athletes with similar empathetic ears to be able to say Mm. like, Hey, we're all going through this together and it's, it's hard, but to know that someone else is going through it with you is is so powerful, right? Yeah, it is. Empathy,
1: such a, such a, that key word, that key phrase. And, you know, we talk about it in business and, you know, I'm still a GE boy uh, from a corporate (laughs) perspective and Six Sigma is is in my brain all the time. And I remember so, so many different workouts that we were doing, you'd get two teams together in the room for the first time. And exactly like you said, oh, you do that. Oh, I thought I did that. Oh, well, if, well, hey, why don't we work together and now we can make it even better. And, and so I find that similar concept of getting athletes together and just having them hear it and go, wow, I know how you feel. Well, let me help you get through that. Oh,
0: that's what I should be doing. And it, and then it, it, it builds from there. It's really powerful. It is. It is. And one thing I really hope people are getting from this conversation, like, if you're hearing this and being like, well, I wasn't an athlete or I didn't go through athlete uh, sport to a certain standard, so I can't really relate to this. I I, I want to push back against that because it's really important that you hear what we're actually talking about here. Yes, we're talking about athletes and the world that they operate in and some of the transitional elements that come with that. But at the same time, at the heart of this conversation is one's desire to be heard, one's desire to be understood. Like These are very human traits. These are very normal things that we all experience in some way, shape, or form within our careers. And I just want to get that point across here really clearly is that if you're listening to this and not able to associate with the athlete part, listen intently towards the components that are truly human and that you can relate to any career in any walk of life. And you said it yourself, that GE, that Six Sigma background, to be able to sit there and be like, I've seen this. In the most unathletic world, right? Like you talk about it. Unath- like no offense to those that work in that area, but that is not yeah. sport. That's a very different world. And and so the fact that you can pick up on that same thing in your experience speaks volumes in terms of why this is such a human tendency and things that we all can be, uh, we can all stand to certainly be paying attention to. But listen, as we start to as we start to bring this thing to a close, one thing I have to talk about. We can talk about listening, we can talk about second win. we can talk about empathy, but at the heart of it, mate, we are competitors. Both you and I are very competitively driven. There's no way you do what we've done in our lives and not be a competitor. So I'm just curious now, when you think about your evolution to where you are today, what does the competitor that is Ryan today look like, maybe versus the one of a few football games ago, let's say, for instance? (laughs) What an interesting question. How has
1: my competitive (laughs) edge changed? Um, You know, I I would say in some respects, It's what is the same is the recognition of winning as a team. Mm. And I still love that. And that still drives me. It's still driven by having the right people around me, having someone who's better than me at... In goal, better than me on the wing. All of that, I still see as vital, and that's the I think I can win. Right in in that sort of raw way. I, I think my edge to desire to compete and win. The the difference is it. It's not about winning the World Cup. It's not about. Um, whereas it was then. Everything yeah. was about right. Well, that's the ultimate trophy, and that's where I want to get to.
0: Right
1: now, my team or the the way I see things, this this network, it isn't about saying I want to be the biggest, the best, and and hold that trophy. Mm-hmm. I think the competition, or at least the outcome that I'm looking for, is the impact it has on others. Um, mm. and that that's that's probably how it's changed. But I still want to be part of a great team.
0: Yeah, I love that answer because for me, I, I again, I asked that question a lot and and so for me it's to hear it put like on one side of things being a team winning as a team remains just as important and just as exciting and just as fun as it ever has been mm. but on the flip side i hear that individual evolution of just saying hey listen now i'm defining those competitive environments and maybe those wins mm. in this more impact mindset yeah. like what does it mean to truly have an impact because again i it's what i used to say to athletes all the time it's like i know it seems like everything in this teeny tiny world that is our sport and is our team yeah. seems like an enormous thing all the time but when push comes to shove there's going to come a day down the line where this world seems so small in comparison to wherever you are at that point in your life and it's so important to notice that impact evolves the way in which we make an impact changes and the beauty of it as well as as our world evolves like the world itself becomes something that's worth impacting more like it, it's worth showing up and doing the work that you do now more than ever that's kind of what i i hear in terms of just what you're doing today it sounds like you're in the most impactful position that you've ever been which is why yeah. that's how you're assessing uh, how you can win and how you can compete today yeah yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, I think you've summed it really well. It, it was about me lifting the trophy, about me winning with that team, pulling a team and, and holding that up. And now it's much more outward in the way that we see, well, what's on the faces of the people that we're working with and supporting and and how are they improving their lives and moving forward? And it's it's that nuance. But I love I love the questions. It's great.
0: <laughs> well, I pride myself on quality questions. And, and Ryan, I'll tell you this, mate, like this is... This has been a real, just uh, yeah. We use a, a pun no second wind, but it's been a breath of fresh air. It's been a, it, it, it does, it really does put wind in my sails when I get these opportunities to have these conversations because I remain passionate about it to this day. That athletes continue to have opportunities to transition successfully from a life in sport to whatever it is they respectfully want to go into, and that nothing about that transition should be assumed as easy. Like it is. Mm-hmm. It is a hill. It is a mountain in some cases. In some cases, it does seem as though it's something that cannot be climbed. And to have services like yours, I've had people like yourself on before that are doing similar things. I'm here for it. I'm excited to support it. I'm so thankful that we had this chance to talk. And before I let you go, tell everyone where we can learn more about you, where we can learn more about Second Wind. So just give us all the information we need to know. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, one of the great Great spots is
1: going to be through the website, secondwind.io. That's 2ndwind.io. You'll also find me on LinkedIn, very heavily involved on LinkedIn, quite simply Ryan Gonsalves. I like to think I'm the most popular Ryan Gonsalves on LinkedIn. (laughs) And, of course, through the usual channels of Instagram as well, secondwind.io and Ryan Gonsalves.
0: Yeah. And there you were thinking you weren't competitive, you know, and you're trying to be the best Ryan Gonzalez on LinkedIn. So. <laughs> yes. you've just you you know, you just you showed all your cards right there at the there end. There we go. <laughs> Brilliant. That. Well, Ryan, honestly, I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Thank you so much for joining Career Competitor and just best of luck with anything and everything going on in your world for the remainder of twenty twenty three.
1: Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed myself. All right, good stuff.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of Career Competitor and before you leave be sure to take advantage of your free one-time discovery call with me to see how I can be of service to you as a coach or potentially even your team. Depending on what it is you're looking for at this point within your career, I want to be able to serve you with 30 minutes of my time to see how I can be of use to you and help you on your path of continued growth towards your optimal self in order to find optimal performance. Be sure to reach out to me, steve at koreacompetitor.com or just head to the website koreacompetitor.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon and bye for now.